Welcome back to Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. On this episode, we're doing a little season preview. The lockout was resolved, thankfully. And now we can get back to some baseball. And yeah, it should be fun. My guest today is Evan Altman, who of course runs Cubs Insider. And that's where I do my work. And he's got some great work on there as well. So you should read it. But we just talked about, you know, this uh going to be not a great Cubs season. I mean, at least not on paper. Maybe they can surprise us, but probably will not. And just we get deep into what really happened to this Cubs team since they won in 2016. I don't think we, any of us expected them to be in the place that they're in at the moment, but uh, we get into it. And yeah, uh, of course, um, he's D. Evan Altman on Twitter. And you can follow Cubs Insider on Twitter, get all the latest. Um, as always, I would like everyone that listens to this to um, give a rate and review on uh, the Apple Podcast app. It's just nice to know that people are listening, and I like to get those positive reviews, so keep those coming if you can. And yeah, let's get into our little season preview. Okay, Evan, welcome back to Holy Cow. It's new season. Got some Cubs baseball on the horizon in about a week. So uh, that we do a little season preview. And I mean, let's be honest, it's not like the Cubs are looking like they're super loaded going into this year. A lot of predictions. They're going to be, you know, third place, high 70s, 80 wins. But I'll ask you, um, how are you feeling about the Cubs this season? You know, it's it's kind of tough. Like, I, I think, so just uh, to preface this, like I just got back from spring training, so we were out there for four or five days. And it's hard not to get kind of romantic about baseball, when you're in that setting and I spent a lot of time on the backfields as well. So we went to um, four games, three Cubs games and then an Angels A's game to see Otani and Trout, uh, which was, that was pretty cool. But, um, it, and, and I'll, I'll share this commercial before I, it's going to be a long thought, but for anybody who goes out there and uh, you go out to Sloan and it's, it's great. If you've never been, it's definitely worth it, but I would highly recommend whether you're going to the game or not, get there a few hours early and go out to the backfields, which are along Cubs way, uh, you know, about, I don't know, eighth of a mile, quarter mile. Uh, was it West at that point, whatever, uh, of the ballpark. And there's four fields there. And if you get out there about 10 in the morning, there are all four fields have batting practice going on. So you basically got low a high, a double a triple a BP, all four at once. you, all the prospects are all walking around and then there'll be games in the afternoon. Um, and so you can sit out there for free yes. in the shade 
and just watch baseball literally all day long. It's it's fantastic. But um, again, so to, to preface that, you know, I'm I feel like, and that doesn't make me think the Cubs will be world beaters, but I, I think like if you squint, you kind of look at it with the right angle, and you think, man, if if you know if this guy does what he could do, and this guy pitches up to his potential. You know, maybe 500, which I know doesn't sound like much, but when you consider they haven't really done much to improve over last year, two big signings, and, and outside of that, it's, it's really moving pieces around. Um, you know, because they've got two teams in the division that are completely awful, that are that are not trying to be competitive at all. Um, yeah. You know, and the Cardinals added Albert Pujols. And so, woohoo! But, yeah. you know, I, I'm with you. I think like 75 80 wins, you'll be in 581 wins, I feel like is, is the upside. Um, but I think there's also the potential for what we saw last year and not to the same extent, but that if they are down at the deadline for them to move a few of those guys who are worth something. And then, and then we see that fall off at the end. So, you know, then we could be looking more low seventies, upper sixties or something, but they're not going to, you know, a lot of people like, Oh, I don't know. They might not be better than the pirates. They're not going to be that bad. Um, yeah, the, uh, they'll be okay. Yeah, the Pirates are going to be just like about one of the worst teams we've ever seen. I mean, they're they have nobody. They've gotten rid of anyone, and if they trade um, Brian Reynolds, I mean, they're going to be just terrible. But... Which is wild because they'll do it, and they're they're gonna if they do that, they're gonna come. It's it's like they're. Here's the thing. What's wild is speaking of that. Right, as much as I was not in favor of the way things came apart with the Cubs core, um, you know, I just mentioned spending time at the backfields, and then you go out there and you see Owen Casey and Alexander Canario and Reggie Preciado and some of these other guys out there. I didn't get to see Caleb Killian throw, but he's another one, right? Pete Crow Armstrong. You look at all these guys that got back, and you have to sit there and think, given how little time and Anthony Rizzo is the only one of those guys that that remained with his team that he got traded to and re-signed with them. Given the value the Cubs got in return for what they gave up and what those teams were able to keep uh, at the end of that, you have to feel really good about it. Whereas the Pirates are like trading away Tyler Glass now for yeah. Chris Archer at like the twilight of his career, you know, and they're going to give away Reynolds and probably get like Chris Paddock back, who's not yeah. going to do anything to help. Like I. The way they're running that organization baffles me. You would think that they could move these guys and reload and do something, but it's kind of like, no, we're just going to trade them away and and actually get worse for now and moving forward. So I, I don't get it, but you know, it's, good for them. One of those things that you almost want to – the Cubs, like, you've got some of this minor league depth. Maybe they should try to go and get a Brian Reynolds, but I don't think that's part of their thinking at the point. But he's the kind of guy – he would jump out and grab because he's going to be, you know, a part like he signed through 2026. So, you know, he's the kind of guy you could build around, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, it, it doesn't seem like it. And I think that's, you know, as you had mentioned too, and that was the only, right. I'm still a little bit baffled. And I think my, my prediction for the cause, my outlook for them in general would be much, much greater had they made a meaningful effort, and I and I will continue to bring this up until people are really upset at me about it, uh, and I don't really care, but, I mean, Jed Hoyer said very pointedly in his end-of-season kind of post-mortem press conference that our starting rotation 
was not good enough. He flat out said that we need power arms. We need hard throwers who get strikeouts. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's pretty much as on the nose as you can get. We need that. That is our number one priority. He said that specifically. Number one priority was to get power pitching. Mm -hmm. And they did literally nothing to address that, right? Like, now, I will say that Marcus Stroman throwing 92 or 93 does actually represent an upgrade from a rotation that averaged under 90 miles an hour. They had the slowest average fastball velocity in Major League Baseball, and I think it's the lowest in the last five or six years. It's very it, it, it's incredibly bad, right? So we can look at like, well, Kyle Hendricks gets away. Yes, that's great, but not you, you can't average under nine. Like th- that is actually unfathomable. But now you've got Adbert Alzelay's hurt. Mm-hmm. Justin Steele helps a little bit. Some of the other guys, but you're talking about yeah. then adding Wade Miley to it. Wade Miley's yeah. average fastball was lower than what they. So Wade I, is good, but he does yeah, not. Yeah, I mean, it, right? It, 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 they've they've improved on paper, but. They, they didn't create any leeway. That, I guess that's where I, I go with this, right? When we talk about their, their win totals, what's difficult is they, they haven't raised the ceiling no. on what they could possibly do. And, that, and that's, you know, when you talk about a trade, I'm thinking, well, gosh, look who's, try, who's trying to, you know, the Marlins have just a ton of guys. Yes. through. I mean, pitchers galore throughout their system who are, are these, all these hard throwers. Uh, the, they're trying to unload people too, right? You look at the A's. They're trying to unload people. They've got hard throwing pitchers. Yes, they've got excellent. Really, and and those teams both want to load up on low level prospects, mm-hmm. right? I, it, that's where the, the the Cubs didn't go out and sign anybody. So I thought, okay, trade's got to be imminent. There's got to be something big brewing because of all these moves they made. Otherwise, they don't make sense. Yeah, and now we're sitting here with a week left, going, well, <laughs> I guess, so I'm, I guess I'm, it's not going to make sense. I'm legitimately shocked they didn't make some kind of trade, some kind of big trade. I guess I mean. Maybe we shouldn't be, but like all the stuff with the Padres and everything. No, they didn't do anything. It's surprising. Yeah, and there's you know there's still time. It could happen. You know, there's there's a bit out there. You think that now the Cubs have this outfield glut, and the Padres are really short, especially when it comes to center field depth. Mm-hmm. And then there's you know, but the Padres have a lot of catchers, and they're but but they're not they're deep at catcher, but they're not really uh, they don't really have an outstanding crop of them. Uh, we already know the Cubs have done one deal with them for a, a, a catcher in a trade, but you know, it that the Eric Hosmer thing, you know, that thing's been smoking for so long. I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been fire, but yeah, it's just it's weird to me because when you look at the moves, one way or the other, there's a couple of different ways to look at this. One is Marcus Stroman is not a signing that puts you over the top unless you've already got a very good rotation. He he would, you know, if you've got four really good guys and a, and a like a bona fide number one, which, you know, people might get mad at me for this, but Kyle Hendricks is not, no. he, he's performed very, very well, but he, he's not the guy that you would trust to go out there necessarily at this point in his career, yes. especially with a lot of the hard contact and early struggles and games. Yeah, the past couple, after the past two years, you, you can't say that he's a one. Right. And, and so Stroman, I think is is that too. He he's kind of like the number two they thought they were getting with Quintana a few years ago, right? So you, you look at like that would really bolster that. However, the the back end of it's kind of a mess and it's all it's all murky there. Um, so again, Strowman is a guy who you think, okay, they did this. Well, now that signals okay, they wanted to spend some money. He's only on a two year deal with an option for a third. 
they're looking to compete. Great. They're going to go add somebody else. And they did. And then nothing. And then they, then they waited after the lockout. Then they got Suzuki, who, again, very similar. I think he's going to be an excellent Major League Baseball player. Good, maybe not great, but very good hitter, very good outfielder. But again, not the guy who puts you over the top unless you're like one piece away and he helps kind of complement some of those things. Yes. Both of those moves absolutely scream that, that you're setting things up for something bigger and then nothing. So I that and then and then loading up. Okay, you load it up on middle infielders, you load it up on outfielders. You've got a ton of these young prospects. You have all these things in place that's just absolutely and who knows, maybe the next week something happens, but it's I, I'm I'm struggling at this yeah. point to see the the path that they've kind I of mean, laid out for themselves. I mean, if they make a trade, then the next week we'll go, okay, duh. They were all set up for this. It makes perfect sense. But as of right now, they haven't done it. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a head scratcher. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, and, and you know, I think what's – you know, the topic du jour, right, is, is what do they do with Jason Hayward because they've got all these outfielders, uh, all of whom are younger, cheaper, mm-hmm. and more dynamic. And um, yes. You know, and the only real option at this point is to DFA him, which, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to make that move uh, as as obvious and as, as I called it simple when I wrote about it, right? And, and it's, it's more nuanced than that, but it, it's simple in terms of like, it's a procedural move and it's done. You don't have to, there's no moving parts. Like, paper, yeah, you're paying yeah. this guy, but yeah, on paper, it's easy emotionally and all that stuff, whatever. Um, but that clears a lot of things up, but then you think, okay, is there some way that they finagle this thing? You know, we talked about Hosmer and that would give you as much people are down on him. It's mostly because like Hayward, his production has not really lived up to the contract, but he's still, a, you know, a league average hitter. He's a lefty mm-hmm. batter who could platoon at first base and DH and kind of give you a little bit of that left-handed pop. Another thing they didn't add that everyone knew they needed to shocker um, that, you know, maybe you swap the salaries a little bit. Um, hey, Padres get a little center field help. Yes. The Cubs get left-handed pop and some, yeah, would, some would issues Hosmer, there first. Who knows? Yeah. Would his numbers probably play better at Wrigley Homer wise than San Diego? You would think. Yeah. And you know, if you're using him, not like a strict platoon, but mm-hmm. as we've seen with Hayward, you know, when, when he's been used in a manner, uh, again, when they, they cushion him against left-handed pitchers and they put him in positions to succeed, you know, he hit really well in 2020. Last year is is a very different story in a full season. But, you know, with Hosmer, you know, you've got Schwindel there. You've got some other options. You've got the DH you could slide him into to kind of carry him along. Mm-hmm. Again, I know his contract runs a little bit longer, and so there there are some issues that that exist there. But something like that, again, if you're if you're telling me for the next two years, would you rather have Eric Hosmer or Jason Hayward? And I would take Hosmer all day, just because it also clears up some of your outfield mix. Mm-hmm. Where again, you you've got five other guys right now. Right now, they've got six outfielders yes. on the roster. Right, that only that only works with the twenty eight man expanded roster and Anderson Simmons on the IL to start the season more than likely. But after that, right, they kick the can down the road, but come May 1st, that decision is going to have to be made. And, and it's just, again, there's, we keep going back to this, but there are just several things to this that I feel like are, are like these red herrings. Like, you know, it's like you're watching a movie. You're like, Ooh, that's going to come up later. And then it yeah. never does. And you're going like, wait, what was well, like, that all about? 
at what point do we start just like completely ignoring Jed Hoyer when he makes statements? Because we've been kind of he's been saying this stuff for a couple years, and the results are different than what he says. You know what I mean? It's like you start to have to take him with like a pretty big grain of salt when he starts saying stuff like this. Yeah, and the and the troublesome part of it is is you know a lot of people. And it, it's it's funny because people be like, "Oh, Theo throwing up the smoke screens again." It's like, no, he's not. He's telling you exactly what he's going to do. You just need to like, don't don't take exactly face value there. Look into some of this. But then, Boyer saying all these things, like, "Yeah, our pitching staff wasn't good enough." That is true. That's not a veiled statement, right? Like, pitching is our number one priority. That is true. Everyone understands that. We need to add, you know, left-handed batter. That is true. Everyone understands. And then they don't do it. So yes. it's like, are you? Are you just lying? But but it's not a lie because it is very obviously a, a real need. So then did you change your mind? Did you fail to judge the market properly? Mm-hmm. Or did you just sit back well, I, on your hands for too long and then all these guys were gone and now you had no shot at them? Yeah, would management not let you spend what you wanted to spend? Like, what is the deal? Yeah, that's the other weird thing is because we also heard not only from Jed Hoyer, but also from Tom Ricketts that, yes, we will, and of course, you know, again, big grains of salt there, but we will have the money to, we, we're going to compete immediately. This is not a rebuild. We do have the resources to build a winner right away. And and yes, I mean, it's Stroman got more in terms of AAV than what was projected and then that most of his peers in that in that same tier of pitching got for a shorter period but a very smart deal by the cubs again i really like that a lot i think it actually works out fairly well for him suzuki got more than Mm -hmm. what was expected as well right a little bit more that's 85 million dollars plus another Mm -hmm. 14 15 some in in um the posting fee so that's almost 100 million dollars and so they did spend, but like I said, there's at a certain point, you know, it's, it, it doesn't matter, right? Like you could have spent nothing or, or you could have spent a lot less and you're reasonably still in the same position, right? You're still going to win. You don't have those guys. Great. You're still going to win about 70 games and be in third place. You got them. You might win 80 games and be in third place. It doesn't make a difference at that point. And that's, I guess that's where my problem lies is you, okay. You spent some money, you didn't spend enough money because it's just not going to get you there. You're almost in the um, the in between. That you're not you're not doing enough to actually make the team better, but you're not not like being cheap. So it's kind of like, what good is that going to do to be halfway? Yeah, and and that's where you know again, other than yeah, are you going to sell a few more jerseys because both of those guys are incredibly likable. And, and have absolutely ingratiated themselves to their teammates and, and fans immediately. Yes. I mean, I mean, those were, if we looked at, you said, Hey, what are, who are two guys who realistically bang for the buck uh, in terms of the overall? And, and certainly we know the Cubs are, are a brand as much as anything, because when you're trying to sell the experience of Wrigley field with their new slogan, it's different here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which is, which is very true. It is very different here uh, there than what it used to be. Uh, but they're, they're not trying to sell the team. Mm-mm. They're selling the vibe. And so they've got a, a couple guys who really, I think, enhance that. Uh, but that only plays so far because, as we've seen, 
uh, they're also still trying to sell spring training tickets. They're still trying to sell opening day tickets. Yes. And they're still giving people way, way, way too many chances to renew yeah. their season tickets and to, to buy in from when their name came up. So like I had somebody the other know, day say, yeah. you got like seven offers about it. I'm like, this is your last and final offer to put down that season ticket deposit. Like yeah, we swear never would happen before. If you had 40,000 people on a waiting list, really, as they say they do, you don't give somebody seven opportunities. Hey, here's your chance because somebody's waiting right behind you. No, now, not. Was it really, really 40,000? Who knows? But there was definitely a waiting list of some sort. And that was oh, yeah. It's, it's there. And I think it's, uh, you know, I, and I don't know, again, where that really comes in or how many. And a lot of those people, let's be honest. I used to be on it. Um and it was mostly because I just thought it was cool. Yeah. And I could say I was on the season ticket waiting list and I knew my name would never come up. I was like, you're number 36,000. Yeah. And when mine came up, it was like, okay, they came up. You you had to be there in person, get to show up, do the thing. And then you'd get the lottery for the draw. And I couldn't, I couldn't go. Not only, you know, I had to work or whatever, but I also was like, crap, this is really expensive. And at yeah. the time I wouldn't have had the money to do it. I didn't have enough people to pool in. And then, you know what? My name got dropped off the list immediately. The next day I was gone off the list. Yeah. Um, but now you get called up and it's like you're begging you get seven chances. Like it's something it, it is again, it's different here uh, because there aren't as many people who are interested in spending the kind of money that they are charging for that experience. Uh, you know, when, when you say, if you're going to charge me the highest tickets in the national league and give me the highest overall experiential cost yes. in major league baseball, you better have a good product. You damn well better. Right or drop the prices, and and we have definitely seen that the product has not improved since 2016. It's 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 you know really you could track it and look at it's gone down pretty steadily in, in that time. And then if you think about and, it, if you think about it, really, the fans did listen to Theo Epstein when he said we're going to be a um, sustained success. Once we get good, we're going to be good every year, and the people believed it. And now they're like, you know what, you guys aren't good. Maybe we won't go. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, I think part of it, you know, and, and people brought this up, like, and, and I don't disagree with the idea that you do lose a little bit of the mystique once the World Series has been captured. There's a, there's a different drive that's there. And, and I, I agree with that. But where I disagree, like somebody was saying, well, that's the primary factor to this. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. No, because they, they were like, if they were still, it'd be, it'd be the same way if they're spending $200 million. No, it wouldn't. <laughs> if the Cubs were still expected to win the division, They'd be if they had gone out and signed Carlos Correa or, I mean, even Trevor Story or, you know, name any, uh, a lot of these different guys. And, and they had put a team together that everyone expected to be a winner if they had done what they said. And, and had they not traded away all their star <laughs> players and might very well trade away Wilson Contreras. If that wasn't going on, there's absolutely no way that they're looking here at half the ballpark still being open for opening day, right? With seats available all over the place. That would not be the case at all because people want to go see a winner. People want to go be a part of that. If the Cubs are going to, I mean, that's, it's, it's always been that way. People wanted to see them when they, even when they sucked before. Mm -hmm. So you could say, you know, Hey, cause there's this hope of what will eventually happen. And, and then after that happens, I get that that part of it goes away. But the fans still want a product, and that's the the difference now is that they've tasted success and had been told 
that that success, as you said, was going to be sustained, that it was going to be maintained. Mm-hmm. And it very clearly hasn't been it, you know, it, it's just, why, why would I go if you're not going to give me in return the level of product that I'm paying for, that doesn't make any sense, right? It's not a good investment on, of my own entertainment dollars. Exactly. It's just, you know, it's, that's one of those things too, that fans are smarter than they've ever been. They know all this stuff. They know what the expectations are. They know it's not going to be a good year. Or at least that's what the experts are saying to them. So they're going to be, you know, maybe we'll sit this one out. Maybe we we won't go in April. We'll go, you know, we'll go Memorial Day. We'll go 4th of July. But I don't think we'll go in April when it's cold. And that just might be, you know, unless they're good. Why would you go to 28-degree day to go to a game? You wouldn't right. It, you're they they've they've outlasted or outrun uh, or whatever the I think the faith that fans have that the team the organization is doing what it needs to do to provide that winner it takes and it's it's again it's shocking and I keep looking at it and I keep thinking well at some point maybe this goodwill kind of gets rekindled but if you look at the the speed with which Ownership has just absolutely worn out all of that. Go- I mean, you, you, it was a seemingly unlimited supply of goodwill for the Ricketts family when the Cubs won the World Series. And in the six years since, five and a half yep. ish, right? It's gone. Like it's that amazing. is gone. Yeah. And, and it keeps like at, at some point, it's maybe it's not completely gone because each new thing that comes out, right? Like with this Chelsea bid and all this stuff, it's like, Man, I, I'm running out of ways to believe. I, I don't know what the next thing will be, but it's just they don't seem to completely understand it either. And that's that's the other part of the problem. It's like, well, hold on. And I, again, full understanding of this, but wait, you you can't carry a 200 million dollar payroll for the Cubs, but mm-hmm. you've got four billion dollars to spend on a European soccer club. Yes. Well, how's that work? You right. So that's that's just spitting in your fans' faces, yes. whether they mean that or not perception is reality and yep. and the perception of what's been going on at, at 1060 west addison is not very good for a for a great number of fans and that's that's gonna be tough for them to win back it's gonna take a while yeah and you just think about like all you have to do is look at the cubs conventions now obviously they got interrupted by you know covid and stuff but but you know they were rock stars and within two years they were canceling the question and answer sessions well, that's because it was boring, they said. Yeah. <laughs> that was my favorite thing. Nobody bought that. Absolutely nobody bought that, boring. and I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, we'll move on from, from that part of it. But, yeah, yeah, it's just the expectations are going to be kind of low this year. But um, there are some interesting – you're talking about the outfield. And let's just talk about some of these intriguing guys. Um, Kermacio. Ortega, the other guys, you know, they're not going to be superstars, but some of them could become real contributors. Yeah, you know, I, I think, and, and Hermosillo is one who, you know, he he had gotten some time with the Angels before, and I mean, and he, you know, again, here's a guy who grew up a Cubs fan, um, you know, always just this high energy, smile on his face kind of guy, so people who really followed the minors and watched him playing with Iowa last year, 
we're like, this this dude will be an immediate fan favorite. And when you watch him play, I mean, he has just got he's one of those guys that's got a high motor. He is always busting it. And uh and so that's really fun to see just again from a pure entertainment perspective, right? That's that's great. Right-handed batter. You know, Rafael Ortega, we saw a lot of him last year. Uh, again, a, a very, very similar, you know, kind of a a lower key type of guy, I think. But, you know, a little bit of pop, runs around really well out there. Um, just like, put up put up good numbers. He's got I, the, I mean, you know, obviously the reverse, like, split situation. Like yeah. Radiant's righties and lefties, well, no, but he's great for a platoon. Yeah, and look at those two. If you had, and that's where I go back to the Hayward thing. It's like, okay, great, but if he's going to be pushed into center, uh, Hayward's also not a great defender out there, and, and neither Hermosillo nor Ortega is Gold Glove caliber. No. But they're roughly on par with what Hayward is going to give you in center. Uh, plus, both of them are going to be better offensively, and if you can platoon the two, even better. But what what I look at, like the one the the person out, outside of say a Suzuki, who I think is. You know, again, but his his contract merits that uh, you would expect a little bit of a higher production from him. But I really think, from what I've seen so far, Clint Frazier is the guy that that I, I that could be the steal mm-hmm. of the offs. I mean, they're paying a million and a half dollars. Yes, you know, he he can get to two point five with incentives, but even better, he's still arb eligible. Yes. He's still under control for two more seasons after this one. And, and he's got a minor league option. I know people are like, well, they could option him at the season to clear space. Like that would be awful to me. No, I mean, this guy's this guy's been around for a while. He's clearly he was a number five overall pick at one he was point. Very, right? yeah. very yeah. highly touted. And I mean, incredible bat speed. And the and the thing was, the Yankees just kicked him to the side. Mm-hmm. I think there there was I think a little bit more going on behind the scenes. But he was dealing. He had gotten a concussion. Yes. Was dealing with the effects of that and had issues with. His depth perception, you know, they called it vertigo, but I don't think it was really that. But he, he was talking about having issues with bright lights. And then, you know, you're going through these things, and that's it's it's persistent. Mm-hmm. And his production struggled, and he had some mental health struggles mm-hmm. as a result as well, really questioning what he was doing out there. And by all accounts, he certainly looks healthy. And that is a guy who, again, if you're talking about somebody, even if it's not all-star level, but you're talking 260, 270 hitter, you know, 20 home runs, solid on base percentage, can can pick it a little bit in left field. Like, for a million and a half dollars, that's yes. tremendous production and a guy who can stick around. So I, that's – I'm really looking forward to yes. what he can do because I just I just think, again, the upside there uh, is so much greater than what we've been used to with a lot of these guys. They were talking about, what was it, two or three years ago that they would never trade. Like, he's one of their untouchable guys for trades. And, you know, he just had the talent and, like, didn't he have, like, um, a knee injury or whatever? I remember. Yeah, I think he's 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 been – he's had real trouble staying on the field yeah. consistently, which is, again, where I think, hey, it, it, you got to cut somebody out of that mix, but five-man outfield and the DH being a possibility, you know, kind of sharing left field and DH with Ian Happ. Uh, again, and, and Happ – again, we could say, you know, switch hitter, but – Realistically, again, with as many right-handed pitchers out there, perhaps mostly a left-handed batter. So you have a little bit of a platoon there. Um, you know, and it, it just it makes a ton of sense. And again, he's he's an interesting character too, right? Frazier's kind of this he's a little bit eccentric. He's a he's a shoe guy, which I like. Um, and, and so I think having guys like that who you can sort of 
whether it's on social media or just in the in the, in the regular media, whatever, can kind of follow along with, have fun with. I like having characters like that on the team. So, I, yeah, I'm excited for him on a number of different levels. Yeah, that, that I, was, I was thinking that, too. And people are talking about him, you know, being optioned back. I'm like, but his numbers are so, like, he's so intriguing. I would hate to send him down to the minors. Yeah, and, and when you know it would only be a procedural thing, right, that they're only doing it because they can. Because, again, this is not a guy who needs at-bats in the minors anymore. He, he's been around for a long enough time. And, and again, when healthy, he's shown that he can be. And, and he, I mean, he was going into last year, he was supposed to be the Yankees' starting left fielder. Like, every day, you're the man, go with it. And when you consider who else they've got on that team to be able to play the outfield, Mm-hmm. that's pretty good right yeah. here you're talking about a really solid lineup and so being able to get him like the cubs did again if he's healthy mm-hmm. he gains nothing from being in the minors and not only that but if you option him down you're just pushing down the line all the rest of the guys and crowding things up down at triple a and then double a and so on and they've got enough other prospects that they need to continue to develop it just doesn't make any sense unfortunately i think we're probably going to see a move made that sees Ortega sent out, or as I mentioned, they keep six outfielders mm-hmm. for the first few weeks of the season when they have those expanded rosters and they have, again, probably Simmons and maybe somebody else on the IL, right? So they, they just figure that and then they'll, they'll say, well, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But I, I just, I don't see any value in that because this is not a team that, again, you know, whether Frazier's there or not, I don't think that makes or breaks a team. But why, why make this move that you're only doing to prolong the inevitable, let's get this going and make some changes and at least get this group together that could still be together for a few years yeah. um, to see what the future holds. So we'll see what happens. I, I just, I'm a little concerned for how that's going to work out. I do wonder, I don't know what the odds on, would they move um, Ian Happ, trade him? Possibly. The only thing I would, I would think there is that when you talk about, so the fact that he's still not completely healed, from yeah, the elbow, elbow thing, right? So, like, they're probably going to have to DH him a lot early, and they've been they've been taking it easy with him. The mm-hmm. fact that, you know, and I, I can't remember, was he at six, six and a half million, something like that? He, he's, yeah, yeah. you know, settled. So he's making a little bit more money than some of the other guys like Ortega. He's been, you know, he's had some injury issues of his own. And then coming off the surgery and, the, and just the inconsistent performance, I, yeah. I don't know that the value is there unless they're doing it simply to move him. At which point, you know, if I'm going to move somebody, I would rather move on from, I don't want to move on from Ortega, but he's also 30 years old, you know, journeyman type. And you're thinking like his value is probably not going to get any higher than where it is right now. So if you move him, you at least get something commensurate back or even maybe more so. Whereas with Hap, you're probably selling, you know, 50 cents on the dollar or something like that uh, to, to get him in. And I don't know that that really does anything other than just clear a spot. Yeah. So um, I guess the other big thing that's been um, making headlines is uh, Wilson Contreras. The rumors about him being traded. I mean, of course, there's, you know, these contracts up after the season. And, but I would think like the odds would be much better for a trade deadline trade than now. But what do you think? Yeah. I mean, it, the, it's another one of those troublesome situations like what we saw last year at this time with Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, where, you know, it became clear 
all too early that there really wasn't anything happening on an extension front. No. And, and, you know, the other guys pretty much kept quiet about it as usual, but I mean, you know, we heard the reports like Anthony Rizzo had told his agents like, Nope, not going to negotiate during the season, cut the talks off. We're done. And, you know, as much as I think we all wanted to believe that like they'll put it all together, they'll maintain this run, uh, which, you know, I mean, they're in first place, no hit the Dodgers, you know, people reporting they're going to be buyers. And then obviously the, the, you know, 13 game losing streak or whatever. And and that goes out the window. It's done. Um, And and so, you know, we all kind of do it, but, but in this case, it's like, we're just seeing it happen all over again, where apparently there's really been no significant effort to extend him. And we've heard reports the whole time that if they don't extend him, they're going to really look at, it's almost inevitable that they trade him. But if that was going to happen, why didn't it happen a while ago? And, and, and listen, I'm, I'm not as high, and I, I've been saying this probably for two or three years, that Contreras was a guy I would have traded first a few years ago because I thought his value was as high as it was going to get. We've seen injury issues with him before. We've seen or heard repeatedly, even from him, but from David Ross, Jed Hoyer, others that like, hey, we needed to get him more help behind the plate because we needed prevent him from playing so much. We need to keep him fresh. And you're like, okay, well, this guy's what he's in his age 30 season. Um, you know, where he's going or is age 29. I forget what the, what exactly, but anyway, he's going to go into free agency on the wrong side of 30 mm-hmm. as a catcher who relies primarily on his bat and his, his athleticism. Yes. And when you talk about that position with that skill set, it's generally not something that's going to age real well. Right. Yachty can get away with it because he's, he's slower than a turtle to begin with. And, and it, granted, he's been a really good hitter, uh, but it's not, not in the same manner. Uh, you know, he doesn't play catcher the same way Contreras does. And I think the Cubs know that. I think they are not going to go anywhere near uh, some of the other deals that have been out there, the the big deals for catchers that have been signed. Real Muto is, is really the one I think people have held up as a template. Contreras isn't getting nine figures from them. I, I, I would be shocked if that happened. And I I think at this point he would be – I think he's very open to testing the free agent waters and, and having that happen to see what goes. But it's just it's funny to me because I, I feel like there's a team friendly or or an amenable a deal that's amenable to both sides that they could do, but I don't know that either side wants to do it. Values the other the same way. I think we're looking at it just like we did the other guys, where it's just gonna, you know, it's not gonna work and they're gonna trade him. And but I think this time, just as I said before, I think other times are, other teams are gonna be very wary about that. And I just I don't know that they're going to get anywhere near the kind of return that they did for the other players they traded. And outside of Jan Gomes, they're not really looking at like Miguel Amaya is the next guy in line, but he had Tommy John surgery. He's out for the whole season. He hardly played last year, didn't play at all in 2020. So now you're talking about your top catching prospect who really hasn't played baseball in three years. That's tough. Yeah. I don't like it. No. That's the, you know, it's I obviously am a huge Wilson fan because everyone that listens to my podcast, they know I am, but um, you're not wrong. The stuff you're saying. And it's, I don't like to admit, but I mean, he is it. The catching position is not very deep. So he's much more, if he was at a different position, he wouldn't, his value would be way lower, but there's so few, but on the other hand, like you said, 
relies on athleticism. It's been injured a lot. You know, even his offensive performance has been uneven. But it's just a it's a tough situation, especially with everybody else already gone from before. Yeah, and that's and, and you know, it's again, it's kind of one of those things where if you're going to do it, just as soon rip the bandaid off because then, right? And it it's I think that losing streak was the best thing that could have happened for Hoyer last year because if they really were competitive and realistically, right, they had an identical record to the Braves who ended up mm-hmm. making some moves and, and winning the World Series. So that's always kind of interesting. And they were barely behind where the where the Cardinals were, right? So they're all right there. They were all there together. Two of those teams bought and, and made the playoffs and, and one of them sold and we, we saw what happened. But what happens if if things do break the right way? If if something happens and you're, you know, hey, it's expanded playoffs, right? Yeah. You got a couple extra spots in there. Um, you could maybe uh, creep up a lot closer to one of them. What happens if you've got to wave the white flag when you are within sniffing distance yes. of one of those and then you, you punt on it? That's Damn, not a good look. It's not a good look. Two years in a row. I could just imagine um, Twitter and the blogs and everything the next day after they if they moved everyone again. It would be... A lot of, I don't know what the word I want to use, a lot of angst. Yeah, Yeah, to say the least. And I mean, you're left with the same, you know, and part of the thing that's funny is, you know, people looked at it like the Cubs have spent, you know, the fifth most money or something like that. Well, yeah, because they had to, because they traded away, you know, half their team and then had a bunch of guys who were on one-year deals and they had to replace. Well, if if you do that again... Right now, you're you're spending money only because, uh, for no other reason than you, you have to yes. to field a roster. You're not doing it to try to win. And yeah, you're getting into like Pittsburgh Pirates, like Tampa Bay Ray territory. Yeah, it's just it's really difficult to to look at that. You know, with the, and even even the Rays, heck, you know, they went out and and gave their their top dude, you know, their prospect, a hundred million dollar contract, right? Less than a year of service time. Boom. Extend him right now. Okay, cool. Yeah. That seems to make sense. Right. It, you, mm-hmm. you know, you see some things like that. And like, unless they're holding out the Cubs that is for, you know, for a Juan Soto and they think that he's going to, you know, not sign an extension in Washington, which based on what he turned down, sounds like he's not going to, yes. but you know, are they going to half a billion dollars for that guy? Like, I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. No. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a little bit, it's just, it's difficult. And again, I, I I get that Contreras again, as I mentioned, is is kind of in a. I, I think it's a, a more difficult situation to judge, but I, I do think that given where they're at in catcher, given where they're at in terms of fan service and everything else, mm-hmm. and extension, you know, maybe it's you know for five years, he's mm-hmm. he's not getting a ten year deal somewhere, but five no. years, you know, that makes sense. And you've got the DH there, so he he can mm-hmm. age into that a little more easily. And that carries him through his mid thirties, right? Yeah, so that's too, that's yeah. solid. Yeah. The question too is just if you're not going to get that much back for him, you might as well ride with him. I mean, just the instead of trading him, just to trade him. Right, and that's and that's where you kind of wonder, like, okay, if they fall out of it, you know, is, is there any value to be had, or as much? And, and again, maybe something works out. Maybe there's a team that absolutely needs it, and and a catcher gets hurt, but they're still in contention and they don't have a capable backup and they're willing to really buy 
at a very high level. Maybe that happens, right? But it's just there's a lot about that that just it doesn't feel great. Um, but like I said, I, I also was, you know, I, I want to say this was back in probably 2019 was saying this is good. We knew they weren't all being re-signed, right? Maybe it was 2018, even going yeah. back a ways where I was like, this is the guy you move mm-hmm. if it, and I think it was 20, I think it was 19 where I was really on that because that, that was when it started to become real that you knew within two years, a lot of these guys were going to be gone if not extended. Yes. I was like, because he had an, he had the extra year at that point, but now he doesn't have that extra year. He has a year. That's it. And, you know, you've you've already kind of – and then if I'm other teams, I'm already smelling blood in the water because if I know there haven't been extension talks, yeah, it's not yeah. as if they're competing against Mm-mm. the Cubs at this point or, or having to worry about, you know, so they they're saying, well, yeah, look what they already did. All we got to do is sit back and, and wait because one way or the other – this guy's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. His yep. new team won't extend him. We'll be able to get something done, you yeah. know? So uh, it's just, it, it's tough I mean, because I just think about don't it. know how it helps. Think about, you know, when, when we did talk about all this back in 2018 or even 2017, the thought that the only guy they would extend was Kyle Hendricks would just be mind-blowing. I didn't think they'd keep everyone, but I didn't think they'd get rid of everyone. Yeah, that that was that still is the tough part to comprehend, like how and listen, I, I get to and a lot of people brought this up like, you know, well, was Jed right? Because the the deal, you know, he said their offers would hold up and all this. I'm like, you got to you got to put a lot more context into that. And relatively speaking, actually, Chris Bryant came out better in yeah. the end because he got a whole heck of a lot of money from the from the Rockies. Uh, in addition to making like another $60 million, you know, through his arbitration years and all that stuff. But anyway, that that's neither here nor there. I think just the idea that, and I know there were efforts, mm-hmm. right. And they could say there were whatever, uh, how, how strenuous those efforts were. I, I question, um, but it's, it's just the way that it all sort of fell apart. So unceremoniously there in that last, you know, last year, the way that all just fell apart from you, you, the high, as I mentioned earlier, no hitting the Dodgers yes. first place, everything's clicking. You had this feeling like, yeah, man, these guys, if nothing else, they're doing what they said they wanted to do. They're going to go out on a high and you know, Hey, maybe the Cubs won't be able to work stuff out with them, but they went out with a bang and instead it just imploded okay. just at which we've seen too many times before, right? We've seen that happen and just out with the whimper, man, and then traded and you see a bunch of dudes come in at another double digit losing streak and just absolutely fell on their faces. And that was just, it just stunk to see it happen in that manner, even knowing that it wasn't going to end in a bunch of fanfare. We all knew that, but the, but just to kind of have, you know, it's like like watching a, a car come around, you know, NASCAR, IndyCar, whatever is your thing, coming around turn three, man, looking real good, and then just blowing a tire, yes, and not even finishing, right? <laughs> like leading the race and it's done, yes. and, and it's just, like you know that uh, um, underdog in a college basketball game. It's got the lead with five minutes left. They might do it, and then. The end of the game, they're down 15. 
Yeah. And you're like, what happened? And it's just like, oh, okay. And they're not, you know, not even fouling yeah. at the end, not even close enough to foul and try. And, you know, you just let them dribble it out. And that's, that's what it felt like. And yes, absolutely. As I, as I mentioned before, there are some very, very exciting young players that they got back. And I, I think the value they got in return was exceptional relative mm-hmm. to the situation. But at the same time, those prospects are just prospects. That's and it. there's no guarantee that mm-hmm. any of them are going to come up and have an impact. And yeah. and that's kind of the tough or or if they will, like, yeah, will will one of those guys be the next Chris Bryant or Anthony Rizzo or Javi Baez where you go through the stands and 75% of the people there are wearing one of those jerseys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I mean, that happens. Brandon but, Davis has, the, has yeah. the chance to do that. Yeah. I mean, Brendan Davis could be that guy, but there again, but if they, not. if they don't do a job, the, the a good job of surrounding him mm-hmm. and Suzuki and some of these other guys with the right talent. And that was really the downfall. The doubt, everybody wants to blame the core. Well, they weren't winning with the core anyway. It's not the fault of no. those main guys. It's the fact that the organization did a very, very poor job of A, developing players to come up, role players to be able to fill those needs around them, and B, signing as free agents the yeah. proper role players to balance that lineup, which we could see year after year after year. It, it, you you have to have – look at the Dodgers. Yeah. You're telling me, like, they just – Okay, Cody Bellinger sucks. Great. We'll figure out something else and we'll move on. But they they've done a great job. Yeah, but they have an of, unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable minors. Yes. And then they grab guys like we'll just grab Max Muncie. Stop the yeah. Wow. And figure it out. And you know, they're making these monster trades for MVPs. They're signing MVPs in free agency. They're adding it up. They're spending a lot and they're developing well. And and that's really they have their TV deal allows them a little bit more freedom to, to maintain that payroll with, with great ease, even though the Cubs should well be able to do that also. Um, but it's, it's a matter of just not properly constructing a competitive roster yeah. where, where those role players complement the main stars on there. And we saw that again, it was a feast or famine offense. It was like that pretty much every year after 2017, yeah. that they had those struggles and they there was nothing done to meaningfully address that mm-hmm. on a on a bigger level outside of like hoping Daniel Descalso yeah. would be the guy that he was in Arizona for like half a season and that and that just even if he had been the profile still didn't really fit yeah. and so you know if if they don't like great you could develop these these guys can come up some of these pitchers could end up being great mm-hmm. uh Brendan Davis and some others could come up and be really excellent hitters but if you don't balance that properly it's not going to matter because then those guys are going to need to get paid and if you don't have anyone coming up to support them to whom you're not paying that much money then you're imbalanced again and you got to do this all over again it's just the chicago cubs should not need to rebuild twice in a decade no no major market team should ever need to do that and again that was the failing of the front office uh by by miscalculating on a few different levels and i mean we're we're seeing if you think about it the draft outside of the first round was just a whiff for like four or five years. Yeah. They just, not only did they, and they, and they, you know, even though they admitted it in around 2018, they, they hadn't been aggressive enough. They had gotten guys with low ceilings who they thought would be consistent, you know, especially with pitchers. That was their kind of their MO, right? They, they weren't going for that. They finally started to get aggressive lately, but 
they were so far behind at that point, mm-hmm. five, six years, seven years, that changing in midstream in 2018, your your philosophy, and they've done, listen, they've done a great job yes, of revamping it. I think we're, we're seeing the fruits of those labors now, but the fact that they got such a late start on it means that not only, I mean, they were, I, it just, for as smart as those guys were, it still baffles me how badly they botched the pitching development. And, I mean, and arguably, as you mentioned, yeah, outside of the arguably. first round, dudes who were like almost MLB ready right mm-hmm. out of the box, right? Yeah. They, batteries are included in everything. Plug yeah. and play, baby. And exactly. they could not develop, and they haven't. They still haven't. Realistically, yeah. Yeah. like an everyday type player who wasn't a first rounder who moved quickly through the system. Just hasn't happened. Yeah. No, that's what I was going to say. I mean, you could almost argue in 2018, their minor league system was more barren than 2010. Yeah. Which is yeah, there w- it, it wasn't I mean, because who who was there who you could look at and be like, yes, this guy's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. Or, and, and, and like I said, it doesn't even need to be a star. No, just continue. Right? Just, just bring a guy up who can play, you know, every day in a couple different spots or, or who, you know, can come in and, and be that contact bat fourth yeah. or fifth outfielder DH type of a guy now, or in the, you know, a pinch hitter, a defensive replacement, you know, and, and we're, we're going to start seeing that we will finally, I think there should be a couple pitchers who are up, uh, you know, as part of the bullpen when they break camp, who I, who I think we'll see uh, who they have drafted and developed. We'll start to see that, but from a, from a position playing perspective, you know, everybody's looking at Davis, but you can't, it, it can't just be about who's the stud number one prospect who we think will be, you know, in, in a corner outfield spot or center field for years and years and years to come batting in the middle of the order. You need that guy who's going to be able to bat eighth or ninth, right? And, and be at second base or, or be, again, be that utility outfielder who you can just throw out there to give the other guys a break once in a while and who, who hits what, like, ah, the Cardinals find those guys all over the place. Mm-hmm. Right? Why can't the Cubs? It, it yes. can't be that hard, right? I mean, it's not easy, but come on. But that's like the Dodgers too. They just have yeah. this system where they can pull these guys up. Somebody gets hurt, they throw this guy in. He's great. Where'd they get this guy? It's just amazing. Yeah, I mean, they've and they they've done a good job of it. You know, for as much as people want to talk about the Rays mm-hmm. and the way they've done it, like that's great, mm-hmm. but. I talked earlier about having no margin for error. The Rays have no margin for error. We see that almost every time they get to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, they had the one run under Madden in 15, right? Or, uh, I'm sorry, in 14. Um, but if you don't have, like, you take the Rays, they take the Dodgers. Give me the Dodgers every day of the week because they've got a very yeah. similar successful development program and they're spending $200-plus million on their payroll. Give yeah. me the Dodgers because guess what? The Dodgers have Mookie Betts. And they've got Freddie Freeman, and yeah. they've got whether he pulls his head out of his butt or not, Cody Bellinger. And you mentioned Max Muncie, and they got Turner. They got all these guys that just keep bringing up, keep loading them up. They still got Clayton Kershaw, right? These they have all yeah. these dudes who have won Cy Young and MVP and Rookie of the Year, in addition to just calling up the next rookie stud pitcher, right? Uh, or, or or whoever else is going to come up and just rake for them, who's going to be the next outfielder or shortstop or any of that. So. That and that's again, that's where the Cubs were supposed to be. I'm not saying they have to be exactly like the Dodgers, no, but they were supposed to be developing talent and and they were supposed to be spending a bunch of money on the payroll. 
Yeah. And right now, neither of those is really happening. Well, you know, if you think about like a Friedman goes to the Dodgers and takes his minor league skills that he had with the Rays and he combines them with the um, payroll of the Dodgers. I do yeah. think maybe somebody should, if they could ever pry um, Billy Bean, some big market team that I really think he would do unbelievably if he had a big budget. He probably would, and then, but I think at the same time, he's smart enough to know like he's never going to get fired in Oakland, and he can sit yeah. back and kind of engage in his other. I know he's he's big into into European soccer as well, right? So he's like mm-hmm. he's got ownership stakes in a couple clubs out there. I know he was kind of among I don't think seriously, but among the bidders for Chelsea, yeah. And and I think you know, hey, being in Oakland, where I don't want to say nobody takes it seriously enough, but. There's no, there's absolutely no microscope on him. He could do whatever the hell he wants and nobody cares. And so you can't do that if you're with the Mets or the Cubs or somebody like that. It's like you, you, you don't get to have those other interests to that extent, or at least not to indulge as much time in those things. And, and they, but, you know, again, I, I think it does make sense to pull somebody from a system like you said, like the Rays, right? Because And we've seen a lot of their executives be kind of plucked away for that reason. This is why there's that Boston Red Sox pipeline, which, you know, I think is, is a, I don't want to say it's a failing, but I do think there was a whole lot put into that. And, and there remains. I mean, you look at where all those guys have, with mm-hmm. Ben Sherrington and, um, you know, I know uh, Hazen, out Mike Hazen out in, uh, out in Arizona. And there's all these guys in some other places that I think there's this kind of old boys pipeline that they're all buddies and they kind of keep getting these gigs and getting recycled. And it's like, yeah, that was cool, but that was also in a different time. And the draft, the international pool rules were different. The, uh, the amateur draft rules were different. And, you know, some of that kind of fell up and we saw, right. Mm -hmm. The adjustment that that took and granted the Cubs won a world series. I mean, that was huge. I don't want to pawn that off. No. But I think there were a few things there that we saw get exposed mm-hmm. as as some of the um, they, the the Cubs took a lot of things for granted yes. in terms of how things were going to continue to play out, and they, they did not recognize that mm-hmm. until it was too late, and and that's why we are where we are now. Yep. But that's if that was my um, way before I wrote that was my white whale was when they first um, hired um, Theo Epstein. Before they hired him, I was all about Billy Bean to go because mm-hmm. he was rumored at the time, but it worked out. They won the World Series. So, but I do sometimes wonder what would have happened if it was Billy Bean in 2011. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I think that's, that's if there had ever been a chance to get him, I think it would have been something like that. Mm-hmm. Right. If he had still had kind of that opportunity. Um, and, and, and wanted to leave at the time. And, and I mean, heck, we've seen the A's be competitive a few times mm-hmm. since then as well. But, uh, yeah, it's just there's a lot going on there. And, and I think it's it, sometimes you miss the the forest for the trees or, or sometimes I think even the trees for the forest. But I think in the Cubs case, it was like they missed the trees for the forest. They saw this big, giant goal, and they, they moved toward it pretty rapidly, you know, faster than people thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really see – the little things that were perhaps going on aside from that, they put so much effort into winning that one that, that a lot of the little things that needed to be done or, or realistically we say after that happened, right. Could they have started making some trades then? 
yes. right right after that, could they have started making some other moves to make sure that they were backfilling mm-hmm. right when some of these inevitable departures were going to take place yes. and they just never did. There was just nobody coming up to take those roles. There's nobody coming up to, to take part in the rotation yes. or to become a closer. Um, you know, a couple we could maybe argue, but, but look at the rotation, right? Who have they brought up? Who have they called up in the last forever? Yes. Who's Alpha come up and a. been an everyday guy. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough, man. They, and that's, again, I, I think those things can change. Mm-hmm. It's just that it, it it shouldn't have to, right? We shouldn't have to be talking about it saying, oh, here we are six years after the World Series and they're starting to figure out how to how yeah. to rebuild the farm system and, you know, rebuild their club. Like, mm-hmm. that's, ugh, that's just such a weird conversation to have. Nobody would have believed you if you had told them that no. in 2016. You said, hey, guess what, guys? In six years, they're going to be trying to figure out how to build a team again. Yes. That's it. Yep, but, I mean, I guess we'll end on the important fact they did win the World Series, though. So that is true. People forget that. Yes, but at this point, we might be getting close to some people actually forgetting it, based on the comments we get. But but no, they still won. Yeah. All right. So yeah, obviously, we can see your work on Cubs Insider as well as mine. Absolutely. I mean, that's uh, that's where everybody should be going. So, you know, uh, head on over there. Hopefully. Things have been a little bit more active, you know, since the lockout ended. Hopefully, uh, we've got some some cool stuff coming here. I know we'll we'll start seeing some minor league roster information, and uh, you know, seeing where guys are going to end up. And then once the games start getting real, I think that's where that's where it becomes a little bit more fun, right? Because we've got a lot of things that are just going to come up as they happen. But I was like, you know, uh, being able to put out a lineup post and a recap for every game. I missed the lineup the other day because I had to go catch a flight, but. Um, you know, so you can come there early, see, you know, scouting report on the opposing pitcher, kind of get some notes on what's going on with the team and then coming afterwards. And if you didn't get a chance to watch the game or, you know, if you're only kind of catching, I know there's so many baseball games, right. That it's easy to kind of miss one from time to time. And you can just pop in there, get a little idea of the game, mm-hmm. um, as, as kind of mundane as some of that stuff can be. Yes. I really like it. And I think we, we do a good job. I mean, you handle a ton of the recaps and, yeah. um, I think it's just it's it's a cool setup to be able to come in there and you just know kind of consistently and in between you know we've got a lot of other stuff out there so hopefully folks come on by and and read and and hope they don't uh, hate it too much which lately I, a lot of them somehow do and I've been called all kinds of names for just sharing stuff but uh, you know anyway that that goes yep. with the territory that's right yep so we're gonna have a whole season who knows how it goes but Cubs Insider will have it all and. Yeah, it's going to be fun either way because baseball is always fun. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. So one quick note. Wade Miley did have to get an MRI and he's going to be out for a couple weeks with some arm soreness. So their rotation will get even thinner. Anyway, um, I'm on Twitter at STH85. You can email the podcast at holycowpod at gmail.com. And yeah, we're going to be on a regular basis now. Going to have about two episodes a month. 
that's what I'm gonna try for. And yeah, the Cubs are going. There's gonna be games, good or bad, you know. We'll see. There's still gonna be stuff to talk about, and yeah, let's get this season going.